you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. So here we are at the end of Season 10 of Biblical Counseling Today. I hope it's been helpful to you to spend this time thinking about some of our communication struggles. As we have seen, the Bible has a lot to say about our words. And all of that abundant truth applies to our marriages, our families, and all other relationships. We must pay attention to our communication. We must care about our communication. We must work on how we are to communicate. Our sin drives us to use our tongues as weapons instead of as tools of love, of peace, of hope, of compassion, of healing. We should be humbled and even humiliated about some of the words that come out of our mouths as believers, words that can never be taken back. This should drive us to our knees to ask God for the cleansing of our lips, for a change in how we speak to all people. At the same time, we must repent of how poorly we listen to other people, how we can be so selfish and prideful and not really caring to hear people's hearts. We can want to only talk and not allow others to talk. We can make conversation into a competition instead of building one another up in love. So what are some of the specific communication areas you struggle with the most? What are you doing to pay closer attention to those weaker areas? Are you seeing any change and growth in them? When I was a child, my favorite communication weapon was to give the silent treatment to anyone I was angry with. My parents were on the receiving end of my refusal to speak many, many times. I could last for days. I don't know how they put up with that. I was quite the stubborn child in youth. Now that I think about it, maybe they enjoyed the silence. Maybe me not talking was better than the mean, unkind, rude things I had to say. So maybe I wasn't punishing them as much as I thought I was. In my pride, I thought that not communicating with them would get them to change, get them to see things my way, to give me what I wanted. How wrong I was. Silence can kill as much as violent words can. I know I hurt my mom many times over this way. So there's my confession of sin. Now it's your turn. Then we can move on to one more deep dive into God's Word to encourage us to tame our tongues. Let's begin today with words from the psalmist, Psalm 141, 1 through 3. It reads, O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me, give ear to my voice when I call you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. So here are a couple of communication principles for us to take note of. First, the psalmist calls out to the Lord and pleads with him to hear. He wants his prayers to be pleasing to him. 
This is yet another reminder that our communication always begins and ends with God. The God who speaks is also the God who hears. He is the perfect communicator. Since we are his children, God listens to our words, listens to our hearts, and he acts. So what does the psalmist need God to do? He needs God to set a guard over his mouth. He asks God to watch over the door of his lips. Why does he need God to keep watch over the words that are about to exit his mouth? Clearly, he knew his own sin as well as his communication problems. He knew he couldn't tame his tongue on his own. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know that you need the Lord to set a guard over your mouth so you can speak in ways that glorify him? That's an interesting word picture, isn't it? Can you imagine having a security guard standing next to your mouth 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and his only job in this world was to keep sinful words from coming out of your mouth? We need the Lord to guard us as well as protect others from our words. Let's go on to another passage in the Psalms, Psalm 39, verses 1 to 2. It reads, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle, so long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse. So just as much as we need the Lord to guard our mouths, we have a personal responsibility as well, don't we? We cannot be passive here, just expecting the Holy Spirit to clamp down our lips before sinful words escape. The psalmist acknowledges this individual responsibility. I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth. And he uses the word muzzle here, which just reminds me of what we put on dogs to keep them from barking. It would be funny to see all of us walking around with dog muzzles on. I could probably use one. But we do need spiritual muzzles at points in our lives, especially when, as the psalmist says, there are wicked people around, non-Christians in our presence. But if you heard what he said, he even realized that keeping his mouth totally shut was not the best idea. Being mute and fully silent, even around evildoers, can make matters worse. The truth is that we need a spiritual bridle for our tongue, not just a muzzle. We need to tame our tongues, not just hold our tongues. We must get better at learning how God wants us to speak in difficult situations, not just hold our peace all the time. I see this problem a lot in marriage counseling. One spouse comes to a point of believing that it is just better not to talk, not to share his or her thoughts, not to ever respond. So they resort to the silent treatment or keep everything on the surface. Well, that doesn't solve the problems. Sure, we must use wisdom, but not just default to not talking at all. Well, let's move on to Proverbs 10, verse 19, which reads, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Now, this could be an argument for giving people a silent treatment, right? No, not at all. We have examined this scripture before. It's one of those biblical truths about talking too much. Our tongues can lead us into great sin. 
what I want to focus on is the word restraint. Boy, that's a difficult word for me. It is hard for me to restrain my lips, especially when someone has said something that I think demands a response. We need to exercise restraint with our spouses when we want to make a cynical retort or when we want to defend ourselves from accusation or jab at something they have said. We need to exercise restraint with our children when we want to nag too much or berate them for an error or shame them for their sin. Restraint requires the spiritual fruit of self-control. It is a lost virtue in today's world where we all want to get the last word in. Now think about Proverbs 17, verse 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Well, there's that word again. Do you hear the virtuous nature of restraint? Restraining our words demonstrates knowledge and wisdom. But we also learn the main way to be able to have restraint. We have to possess a cool spirit. Now, that's an interesting term, isn't it? We have to be calm, cool, and collected in the situation to be able to restrain our words. That, again, demands the Holy Spirit. It also requires that we're growing as a Christian, trusting God to be in control, rather than feeling always that we have to be in control. Now, another good reminder from Proverbs 13, verse 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. We have this repeated contrast that should challenge us in all of our relationships. Guarding our words can save our lives, while an unguarded tongue can destroy us. Do you believe this? We know that our words can destroy other people, but do you recognize how it affects you? It can destroy your reputation, your work, your legacy. We have certainly seen how people lose their livelihoods because of posts on social media or things caught on video that go viral. Being on guard means that we should always be vigilant and careful about the words we speak. Why is that so hard? The truth is that we're all tempted to say whatever we want to say whenever we want to say it. Yet this can cause many heartaches and problems. So charge yourself to be more guarded with your words. Now one more Old Testament text, Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now those are such wonderful words, aren't they? Especially the last ones about God being our rock and our redeemer as Christians. This psalm is a prayer, isn't it? We'll only be able to guard our tongues to restrain our lips if we submit all the words of our mouths to the Lord. We should long to have our words be acceptable to God. Also remember that our words are connected to the meditation of our hearts. Those thoughts and attitudes must be submitted to God as well if our words are to be accepted by Him. Since God created our tongues, our focus must be pleasing Him with our words rather than ourselves. Well, we'll spend our remaining time together in the New Testament. And yes, we must begin in James 1, starting with verse 19. 
Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You should know this verse by heart by now, especially if you've listened to this entire season on communication. We just need to read it one more time, don't we? Just think how many of our communication problems in all areas of life would be solved if we would learn to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Would your spouse describe you as one who is slow to speak and quick to listen? Do the people you work with think of you in this way? We will only listen better when we slow down our speaking, when we restrain our words, when we are more interested in the other person than ourselves. Well, we're not done with James yet. Let's read James 3, verses 3 to 4. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now, these are two important communication analogies we, again, have looked at before. I want to focus on the first one, on the bit that is put in the horse's mouth. That bit is attached to a bridle that the rider uses to control the animal, right? It's an amazing piece of ancient technology. Controlling a horse's mouth controls his whole body. Just think if we all had bits in our mouth with a bridle attached, and the bridle was held by the Holy Spirit. We all need a bridle for our tongues. To put it another way, we must never allow our tongues to be unbridled, or we will end up places we don't want to go. And controlling our tongues ends up controlling our lives. Then there's the next verse, verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. It is pretty ironic that our small tongues are such powerful forces in our lives. Our tongues all think very highly of themselves. So James's point is that if we can control just that one small body part, we can have control of our entire bodies. And the opposite is true. Without self-control, they can set things on fire. They can do tremendous damage, our tongues. They are that powerful. So again, we are back to the fact that we must have a bridle for our tongues. We must learn to restrain our tongues as believers. What an incredible witness it is to others when we are known for having a bridled tongue, for being measured in our speech. And again, how this would transform our marriages. Most couples I work with put communication on the top of the list of their marital problems. Now, there are many different things they mean when they say communication is poor, but how many of these problems could be solved if they were to both have restrained words, both speak slowly and listen quickly? Take to heart your responsibility to tame your tongue that is untamable. May it grow your trust in the grace of God extended to you. Well, we'll end this season with a passage that gives us the perfect biblical mindset for taming our tongues. This one text would enable us to solve most of our communication problems, I think. It is Philippians 4, verse 8. Paul writes, 
Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The Apostle Paul instructs us to think on eight different things. As we think on these things, we'll also speak in biblical ways. So let's break down these eight elements of thinking and extend it into speaking. We should think and speak whatever is true. We know we're called to speak the truth in love. We won't speak true words unless we know the truth. So when you are talking to a person, think on what is true. Listen for the truth. And then ask yourself if what you are about to say is the truth. Is it fully accurate or only partially so? Will it leave the right information with the listener? We are to be people of the truth since God is truth. Then next, we are to speak and think of whatever is honorable. All of our thoughts are to honor God. That's an impossible task for sinners. Yet as Christians, we must think God-honoring thoughts in order to speak words that honor God as well. Think about it this way. Would you want your words to be repeated by others? Would you want non-Christians to hear how you speak to your wife or husband or your children? Another word for honorable used in some translations is noble. We are to think noble thoughts in order to speak noble words. And then third, we are to think and speak whatever is just. As Christians, we are to always be thinking justly and acting justly since we serve a God of justice. Another guard over our mouths is to think about the appropriateness of what we are about to say. Is it right? Is it proper? Does it serve a just and righteous purpose? Or will these words actually do injustice to a person, serve to further an injustice, or be just totally inappropriate to say? And then fourth, we are to think and speak whatever is pure. We are always to be thinking pure thoughts, aren't we? Clean and righteous thoughts. Our words don't come from a perfectly pure heart, and yet we need to grow as people of purity. So we need to question ourselves if we are speaking out of a pure motive. Maybe we are simply speaking out of pride or selfishness or bitterness. Another way to say this is that our words should be uncontaminated by this world. We should not sound like the impure world when we speak. And then fifth, we are to think and speak whatever is lovely. What a nice word. Wouldn't it be lovely to always set our minds on lovely things? Unfortunately, we live in an unlovely world with unlovely sinners. So we must challenge ourselves to speak lovely words, words that are pleasant, words that are pleasing and beautiful to others. To put it in the vernacular, will your words brighten the day of someone or will they only bring gloom and doom? This one is very convicting to me. I like to think of myself as being the one who brings reality to a situation, but I can often just be gloomy and pessimistic. I need to constantly think on what is lovely about what is before me. And then six, we are to speak and think whatever is commendable. If you commend something, you approve of it. 
So how do we think only on those things that are approved? Approved by whom? Well, God, of course. So in our words, we want to commend rather than always condemn. We want to speak words of approval for things that God approves of. We want to esteem things that God esteems. Too often we're silent when our spouse or child or coworker does something commendable. But then we are also then quick to criticize. Then seventh, whatever is excellent. We are to think on whatever is excellent and speak on whatever is excellent. We live in a time where people seem to be all right with just average or mediocre rather than excellent in their work, in their studies, in their service. Christians are to be all about excellence for the glory of God. So how does this relate to our words? Well, God demands us to be excellent in our speech. We should be skilled in our communication. Our words must be clear and precise. Our words should magnify God and motivate others to live for Jesus. Our words should demonstrate a heart of love to connect to others. And then finally, number eight, we are to think and speak whatever is worthy of praise. We know that only God is worthy of praise. So this reminds us that we must always have our mind on the Lord. And then as far as our words go, we must ask ourselves, are my words worthy of praise? Would the person who is hearing these words think highly of them and highly of the Lord because of how I am representing him? Our words should be valued by others, not disregarded. People should look forward to when we speak, not groan or roll their eyes because we say little that is ever edifying. This again shows love for others as we desire for them to want to be spoken to by us rather than just ignored. So again, the Apostle Paul wrote these words to the church to exhort us to think on these things. But the tongue is simply the vent of the heart and mind. Whatever things you find yourself thinking on, dwelling on, will eventually turn into what you are talking about and how you are talking in general. So as we end this series on communication struggles, I urge you and encourage you to grow in the taming of your tongue and the use of your words. Solving communication problems in your marriage and family relationships begins with you and what the Lord changes in you. Take to heart your call to communicate biblically with everyone in your life, looking to the perfect communicator for his grace and strength. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.